From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, August 3rd, 2017. Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C, at DraftKings. Every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season, and they have a new baseball feature on DraftKings. You're going to love it. It's called Arcade Mode. All you do is pick five hitters and one pitcher. That's right, just five hitters and one pitcher. It literally takes me 30 seconds to fill out a lineup, and you can put together a different lineup every single day to turn your love of baseball into cash prizes every single night. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. Welcome to the show on this Thursday morning. And speaking of DraftKings and my promo code, you will once again be able to use my promo code during the NFL season. We we started the promo code and my partnership with DraftKings last year during the NFL season. What, maybe in the middle of the season? But um, we will be sticking with DraftKings through the baseball season and into and through the NFL season. So you will be able to use my promo code PICK uh, during the NFL season once again. And I can't wait to get there because as of today... On this Thursday, August 3rd, we are exactly one week from the first preseason game from the Patriots' first preseason game, which is going to be next Thursday night, August 10th, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, uh, training camp in the NFL, it's in full force. We have a big-time injury today uh, and a big-time injury concern Uh, not with the Patriots, this is NFL-related, but this is seemingly the top story today as I begin to record this podcast. It's Ryan Tannehill, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. He has gone down and left training camp today with a knee injury, a left knee injury. That's the knee he's got the brace on. That's the knee that he had the partially torn ACL at the end of last season. He did not have surgery. Uh, It did not require surgery, but he's got this big brace on it. This was a non-contact injury to the same left knee for Ryan Tannehill today. So that is certainly not good news for him. It's not good news for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Even if Ryan Tannehill was healthy, I was not going to pick the Dolphins to, you know, upend the Patriots and and knock them off the mountain, so to speak. I still think the Patriots are going to win the division. I still think the Patriots are going to be in position for a first-round bye, whether that's with a 14-2 and record, a 13-3 and record, or maybe even better than 14-2, and 15-1. Who knows what the record could be? I think it's too early uh, to, to be going game by game and giving you a schedule breakdown of the regular season in the NFL. But I do believe the Patriots are good enough as the reigning defending Super Bowl champions and all the moves that they made this past offseason – I do think the Patriots are good enough to, to to be that top dog in the AFC. And to do that, you have to be the top dog in your division, which even if Ryan Tannehill didn't get hurt today, now I don't know the extent of the injury as I record this. I would think it's concerning to him if it is still, you know, that left knee, which we're hearing it is, the same knee that he injured last year, and it was non-contact. 
you know, I, I think there's got to be some concern there with the Dolphins organization. But again, even if Tannehill didn't get hurt and if he played a full season healthy, I would not be sitting there picking the Dolphins to win the division. So, but, you know, that's the big story. Uh, the other big news, I guess, if you want to bring it back to the Patriots, is that today is Tom Brady's 40th birthday. Tom Brady turns 40 years old today. It has a, you know, that number 40 has a lot of people thinking of Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is still present in the Patriots organization on the last year of his contract. Um, uh, you know, you can try to tell me about training camp battles at the quarterback position all you want. You could try to give me the quotes from Garoppolo recently in which he basically says that he wants to be a starting quarterback in the league. I don't take that as any earth-shattering news. I mean, that's obvious, right? Jimmy Garoppolo wants to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Doesn't any quarterback who's a backup right now want to be a starting quarterback? Isn't that just obvious? I think the bit of news, the, the biggest news would be if Garoppolo got behind a microphone or, you know, got on some type of TV show or, or talk radio show and said that he didn't want to be a starting quarterback and that he wanted to stick around New England as the backup until Tom Brady felt like he was done. And we know what Tom Brady's been saying. He wants to play at least into his mid-40s, at least. And Brady turns 40 years old today. Because of that number and because Jimmy Garoppolo is still present in the organization, you got a lot of people that will maybe start to think of the future and think of the future without Brady and when that could be. And perhaps some people will tell you that sooner rather than later. I think these people are nuts. I think Tom Brady's got a good at least three years left in him. I truly believe that. And whatever Garoppolo says about wanting to be a starting quarterback from here on out, I I don't take that as any type of earth-shattering news or breaking news. The big news to me with Jimmy Garoppolo would be if he somehow came out and spoke out and said, I want to be the Patriots' backup quarterback, and I'm willing to stick around and do that. I think that would be the biggest story because I'd be shocked by that. I, I, I don't expect that he feels that way. And because we heard him recently say he wants to be a starter, I, that's, again, that's not shocking news. But that's just some of the stuff that you have uh, with NFL training camp. And uh, I won't lie. So we've been, this is on this podcast, every football season, as we get closer to football season, I start to think of the most popular segment on this show. What is it? Picks, picks. It's the most popular segment on this show. We do it uh, at the end of every week. And because I only record on Mondays and Thursdays now, you know, unless there's some type of special situation where I do have to change the schedule, which happens, and it will happen at times, I'm sure, during the season at some point. But um, during the season, on Thursdays, a segment that we call Picks, Picks, where I give you five picks. five. I pick five NFL games with the spread and um, I only give you five every week. That's the most popular segment on the show. We've had some conversations recently with a couple different companies uh, and, you know, potential sponsorships. All that stuff's ongoing. Uh, you know, the reg- we don't start, I don't do preseason picks picks. That, that would be embarrassing. I, I begin week one and um, having these conversations with a couple different companies about potential sponsorships. It's got me thinking of picks, picks, and and you know I just want to get to it, I, and I'm not trying to rush your summer away, right? I'm not, but certainly 
that is not only the most populous segment on this show, but it's also, I think, the most exciting segment. It's the, the segment that I get most jacked up about. So here's what I did today. Just thinking about that, coming in, I got the schedule in front of me. I'm looking to see, um, you know, what exactly the preseason schedule is. Not because I want to watch preseason football, but because when you get a preseason game and the preseason officially begins, that's when you know it's getting close. You know, that's when you know it's getting close. And with the first preseason game next Thursday, August 10th, that means as of today, we are five weeks away from the Patriots opener, which is Thursday, September 7th. Kansas City is in town. It's on NBC. You know, they'll be raising the championship banner. Um... El Prez will have his Roger Goodell towels being waved in the building, right? I try to actually, I want to get one of those. The Roger Goodell clown face towel. And they have the t-shirt. You've seen it. Matt Patricia wearing it and all that. Um, but El Prez, what did he order? 30,000 of these logos, the Roger Goodell logo on blue towels. I need one. I need one for the, for the studio to add to the little collectible spot that we have right in the middle of the studio we get all these bobbleheads um we have a couple other things a couple other little toys pedro martinez hall of fame statue i want to add one of those Bostool roger goodell towels and throw it on here somewhere throw it on the desk somewhere but they're all they're not for sale yet i guess i i'm i, I tweeted fights yesterday i i'm hoping at some point they'll be for sale or maybe they can send me one um, somehow, but I'm not going to be in Foxborough that Thursday, September 7th. So, uh, actually have a wedding that weekend. So I-, I will not be in town. I will not be in Foxborough. I won't be able to get those towels that they'll be handing out in the, in the area near the stadium that, but you'll, you'll see people waving them. Everybody will be waving them. The NFL, they might try to say they, they, they won't let you in the building with those. Come on. How difficult would it be to get that towel into the building? If you can't get that towel, the Boston Sports Roger Goodell towel, into Gillette Stadium on Thursday, September 7th, then you're a fool, okay? If you can't get that towel into the building. Get the towel into the building, wave that thing around, and uh, that'll be quite the sight. But I want one in here. I do. But just thinking of that and thinking of opening night gets me ready for football, gets me thinking of picks, picks, and I'm looking at the spread. The Patriots, I, this is what I've, did, I've done today. I've been looking at spreads for week one. So it can't come soon enough. The Patriots are a nine-point favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs in the week one opener. The over-under is 48.5 on that. So the Patriots, an early nine-point favorite at home against Kansas City. If you made me pick that one right now, I'm not going to pick right now. But if you made me pick that game right now, I would take the Patriots at minus nine to think that at home, I'll fire it up. They are going to win by at least 10 over Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's not going to come into Gillette and win that game. It's just not going to happen. So uh, that's just one game. A couple of games, actually, there's no, there's no line for right now. One is Miami and Tampa Bay, and that's probably because of the Tannehill injury. The other is Indy... In L.A., the Colts against the Rams in L.A., that's going to be because, why is that? Is that because the we don't know who the quarterback is for the Rams? Is that why that is? It's, those are the only two games that 
the site that I look on, you cannot bet. There's no line. It's got to be because because the Colts are fine, right? Am I missing something? No. Luck, from everything that I've seen, luck is going to be activated uh, from the pup list before week one, and he's going to be there. Uh, maybe maybe they're not sure, so maybe that's why um, you can't pick this game right now. But I don't know. Maybe they just they don't know who the quarterback for the Rams is going to be. Is it Jared Goff? I would think. But I did read something the other day about the Rams in which they've said – it's sort of they've they've made it an open competition, I guess. So um, we'll see what what happens with that game. But those are the only two games that there is no line right now: the Buccaneers and the Dolphins. I think because of Tannehill's injury, and of course the Colts and the Rams, as I just mentioned. I think because maybe we don't know about the quarterback situation in in that game for either of those two teams. So that's the way it looks. Uh, I can't wait to stop making picks. Again, Picks Picks is a segment that we do every Thursday where I give you five games with the spread throughout the NFL season. So uh, that's where we're at in the NFL, though. You know me, in August through September and even into October, I am a baseball guy. I get into postseason baseball. And uh, we are now entering the final two-month stretch in the baseball season And I think that there are people who believe you cannot still make a trade if you wanted to make a trade. You can still make a trade. Maybe this is a misconception of Major League Baseball for the average fan. You can still make a trade in Major League Baseball before August 31st or before September 1st. I think that date changes year to year. But through August, you can still make a trade. It's It's just more complicated. If you want to trade someone, you have to place him on waivers. And he's got to, I mean, he doesn't have to clear waivers. A team could put a claim in on him. It's risky for the team to put a claim in on him. Because if you put a claim on a guy that's put on waivers, and let's say, like, for instance, and I know David Price, you don't want to talk about David Price anymore. I get it. You don't want to do that. Um, But just for the sake of this argument, let's say the Red Sox put David Price on waivers. Right? Let's say they did that. If a team put in a claim on David Price, let's say only one team put a claim in on him, and the Red Sox said, you know what? We just want to get rid of this guy's salary. So he's yours now. You put a claim, he's yours. The team that put the claim would have to take David Price's salary, and they would have to eat the entire thing. They'd have, they'd have no choice. Now, the team that put the claim in on him the Red Sox could always say, hey, you know what? We're going to pull him back. We're not, we're going to take him off, put him back off waivers. We're not trading him. We just wanted to, we throw a couple players out there this time of year just to see what's going on. Um, you know, that's what we do. That's what teams do. They can always pull him back. They don't have to move him. But if they wanted to, they could just tell the team that put the claimant on him, hey, he's yours and you have to take the whole salary. That's the risk that you take if you do put a claimant on somebody like that with a huge contract. That's why, you know, when I heard the news yesterday that Justin Verlander was placed on waivers, um, you know, I was not really, I'm not, I wasn't surprised by that. I, I do think that behind the scenes, the waiver season, which is usually the month of August, that it, it's a little bit more exciting, I think, behind the scenes than we make it out publicly because not everything gets out publicly. A lot of big names get put on waivers each and every year in the month of August. That doesn't mean they get moved. 
But big names do get put on waivers. And um, there's a risk that goes along with putting a claim on a player. But but my point is that you can still make a trade. If you put a player on waivers and if he clears, you can trade him to anybody. If a couple teams claim him, the way it works is you, you basically start from the worst team in your league. So if the Red Sox were to put someone like, again, for the sake of argument, to use this as an example, if the Red Sox were to put David Price on waivers or anybody, We'll say anybody. Let's say they put anyone on waivers. The worst team in the American League would get the first shot at claiming them, right? And then it would have to go through the American League from worst to first. And if he cleared the American League, then it would go to the worst team in the National League. It would go like that, right? Uh, so that's the way it works. But um, trades can still be made. It's, it's a little bit more complicated, but they can still be Made. Here's what we know today. At least here's what's being reported when it comes back to the Red Sox. Let's say the Red Sox did want to make a trade. They wanted to put someone on waivers. Um, there was just, uh, uh, just some fit with some trade that they wanted to make. Let's say they wanted to do it. The Red Sox, according to a report from Sean McAdam of Boston Sports Journal, Sean McAdam is reporting today that the Red Sox ownership will not let Dave Dombrowski trade any more of their top prospects this year. They won't let him do it. Or at least they wouldn't let him do it before the non-waiver trade deadline, which was on Monday of this week, July 31st. Sean McAdams reporting that Red Sox ownership would not let Dave Dombrowski trade top prospects at the deadline. That's the report. Um, now... My reaction to this is, I'm going to need some more details. I need more details. I do. I need more details. Because here's what I need to know. What I need to know is, was there a specific deal that Dombrowski had in mind where he was getting set to trade someone like Jason Groom, where he was getting set uh, to, to pot ways with someone like Rafael Devers? Was there a specific deal that he had in mind? Like, was there a trade in place? And what was the return? Because I've always told you this. I'll trade the prospects for the short thing any day of the week. And I understand that what Rafael Devers is doing right now in the Red Sox lineup is looking pretty special. The sample size is small, but in a small sample size, Rafael Devers is looking pretty good, right? Offensively, he's got a nice swing. He's up there taking hacks. He's putting it the other way. He's got a couple home runs and a couple big hits under his belt. Devers is looking like a nice piece. He's only 20 years old. He's looking like a nice piece of the puzzle for this Red Sox team right now. A team that's basically been begging for some more offense here, especially down the stretch. Um, So you like what you see there. But when you do go back to the trade deadline, which was, again, Monday, this past Monday at 4 o'clock Eastern time, and now we see this report a couple days later that, Red Sox ownership would not let Dave Dombrowski trade any top prospects. I need more details. I need to know, was there a specific trade in the works? Because if you were going to tell me that you were were going out to acquire a top stud player that would have helped this team win right now and wouldn't necessarily be a rental, then I'd I would consider that. Like, I need to know the exact deal before I sit here and tell you that's a good decision on Red Sox ownership's part, or that's a bad decision. 
I need to know, was there a specific deal that Dombrowski had in mind? And what I need to know is, did ownership step in before that deal, before a specific trade? Or did they tell Dombrowski, you know, before he had anything in mind, no, 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 you're not doing it. So don't even think about getting into conversations about that because it's not happening. We already traded too many top prospects away and we don't want to do we we don't want to do that again. At least for right now. Right? At least for right now. Let's stay away from that. Like when did they tell Dave Dombrowski this? I need more details because you know, I I can I guess I kind of have a problem with it. If ownership stepped in and there was a specific deal that really didn't make sense you know, if there was a deal, I, like, I think the way we should be reacting to this is we should be, I'd rather react to a specific deal when it comes to giving up the top prospects than just throwing it in a vacuum and saying, hey, you know what, doesn't matter what it's for, we're not giving up prospects, and we told Dombrowski not to do it. Like, I kind of think I have a problem with that. I, I have a problem, if that, but I don't know if that's what happened. I don't. We're hearing that the Red Sox ownership did not let and they did not let Dave Dabrowski trade the prospects. And, and I'll, I'll give it to you. Here's, here it is from the story, from Sean McAdams' story. Here it is. Um, he says, two teams that dealt with the Red Sox leading up to the deadline got the distinct impression that Dombrowski was not in a position to include any of the Red Sox top prospects in any deals. And indeed, another industry source confirmed Red Sox upper management and ownership made it clear to Dombrowski that the organization's premier prospects were not going to be dealt. That's coming from Sean McAdam again on the Boston Sports Journal. But that doesn't, that still doesn't tell me, that doesn't tell me if they reacted before or after a specific deal was on the table. Right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, I need some more details on this. But, if you're telling me, if we're giving this information as if it's just in a vacuum and I need to react in a vacuum, then and here's what I'll tell you. I, don't, I do not want Red Sox ownership stepping in and denying the president of baseball operations and the GM to do his job, which has improved the baseball team. And if you tell the GM that these prospects are off the table before you even give us any specifics of a deal, to me, that's not the right way to go about it. It's not. I don't, I don't like that way. Now, if you told me that Dombrowski was trying to get nuts and was packaging Devas and Groom in a trade that, eh, would have been a good trade for the Red Sox, so maybe they'd be giving up too much for a potential rental, that's a different story. If ownership steps into that to a specific deal that doesn't make sense to the organization, that's different. I'm okay with that. I can deal with that. I can live with it. I actually might even tell you that's a good job. Ownership's doing a nice job stepping into something like that. But if this is just in general, they went to Dombrowski, they had a meeting on July 24th, and they said, you know what? It's the week of the trade deadline. I get that you want to make some moves. But before we hear any specifics, we're going to tell you, you are not moving this guy, that guy, the other guy. You're just not doing it. We're not going to allow it. We're not going to let you do it. So don't even think about getting into specific conversations about those players. If teams ask for those players, you hang up the phone. I, have, I would have a problem with that. Now, I don't know that that's what happened. I don't. For all we know, there was a specific deal on the table. And the Red Sox said you can't do it. 
and the teams that, you know, the, the two teams that Sean McAdam was talking to, you know, maybe they, again, had a deal in place with Dombrowski. Dombrowski went to ownership and said, hey, I might be able to get this guy, but I have to give up groom. Ownership says, eh, you know what? We don't, no, that's, that doesn't make sense for us. We get you trying to improve the team, but that one doesn't make sense. Like, I do think ownership, there's a place for ownership in in blockbuster trades if you're giving up top prospects because you're obviously acquiring a player that is either making big money now or is going to be making big money in the very near future if he's arbitration eligible. Ownership definitely has a seat at the table when it comes to blockbuster trades. They absolutely do. But what I don't want the Red Sox getting into, what I don't want the Red Sox ownership getting involved with is preventing anybody to bring something to the table. Preventing Dabrowski to bring something to the table that they're sitting at, right? That's what I don't... That, that to me, is interfering in the job responsibilities of a GM and a president of baseball operations. I just, so we, I don't know what one it is. I don't. I really don't. Because what if I told you that Dombrowski had a deal in place in which he was going to trade Jason Groom and it would have added a, another stud pitcher or, you know, a stud third baseman or a stud first baseman. Who knows? A, a guy you could be a DH. A guy that could improve this team to the point where we could not deny the impact it would have on the Red Sox this season and maybe the next couple of years. What if Dombrowski had a deal like that? He, he would have to hang up the phone because Red Sox ownership told him before they even heard it that, that he couldn't make that deal? I'd have a problem with that. But again, I don't re- we're not really hearing many details other than Red Sox ownership told Dombrowski he could not trade top prospects at the deadline. Um... If they told him this before he had specifics to a deal, I got a problem with it. If they told him this after there was some specifics on the table and ownership said, you know what, if it's going to be a blockbuster, we want to see it at the table, we want to hear it out, and we want to react, and it did some things that didn't make sense, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But I don't think we know enough about it. I really don't. We don't know enough about it. So, uh... My, my ultimate advice for Red Sox ownership and management would be let Dave Dombrowski do his job. And obviously, you have the right to step in and you have a right to have a seat at the table if it's a big enough trade. But I, I would say don't get your nose dirty before there are any specifics. I, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. If you did want to get your nose dirty, then you obviously, again, have a right to the seat at the table. But um, hear the guy out. Hear the specifics first, then react. You know, don't don't react before you get any specifics. I don't think that serves your ball club or your organization well, especially since you're a big money ball club, especially since you're a ball club where um, when you do look at the guy who's making the moves, I don't know, you tell me. Chris Sale took top prospects to get him. Uh, Craig Kimbrell took top prospects to get him. I'll even go as far to say Drew Pomeranz. Took a top prospect to get him. These moves have worked out for the Red Sox. Oh, they're working out right now, are they not? The Red Sox are in first place. On August 3rd, they have an ace in Chris Sale. They have an elite closer in Craig Kimbrell. 
They have a starter in Drew Pomeranz who you can't deny what he's done for this team this season. So last time I checked, the moves that Dave Dombrowski has made in which he's given up some top prospects, they've worked out for this Red Sox team and they're working out right now. And is there anybody out there that is complaining about these things? That's complaining about these guys? That's complaining about those moves? If you are, I think you're looking for things to complain about. My point is that I think Dombrowski has done a nice job with the the prospects that he has given up for the pieces that he's acquired. It's not like he's acquired all rentals. It's not like he's acquired all these guys that are overrated or haven't shown up or haven't produced. In fact, these guys, you can make the argument, are the only reason the Red Sox are even in first place right now. So if we're looking at Dombrowski and the job he's done with trading some of the top prospects... I think that ownership would be doing him a disservice if they made the decision for him to not let him trade the top prospects before they heard any specifics of a deal. I, 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 so, so I think Dombrowski's body of work, giving up the top prospects, I think it's a pretty good body of work. So that's why I don't think ownership should be getting their nose dirty before they hear any specifics. But I don't know that to be the case. We just know that they told them not to give up the top prospects. Did they tell him before they heard about a specific deal? Did they tell him after? I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I'm reading the stuff from McAdam. I don't see I, I don't see any specifics, any specific deals, but that doesn't mean that there weren't any on the table at the time the Red Sox told Dombrowski he couldn't deal the top prospects. So I can only I need more details to that. I do. I need more details. Here's what I'll say though. Again. Ultimately, in a vacuum, speaking in a vacuum, if that's how we're going to take this report, if that's how it's going to be reported, if the Red Sox are telling Dombrowski he can't do his job before he tries to do his job, I have a problem with that, especially since Dombrowski has done his job pretty damn well, and it's the job that they're telling him he can no longer do. You know what I'm saying? So um, my advice to Red Sox ownership, Stay out of it until you get something that comes your way that you don't like. A specific deal. Because that's the way you should be involved. And that's it. Let Dombrowski do his job. Until then, ownership obviously should have to sign off on any major move. Because last time I checked, ownership is the ones, they're the ones who are actually writing the check. So um, that's what we got on that. With regards to the Red Sox, again, this final two-month stretch... Uh, They got postponed last night due to rain on Wednesday night at Fenway against the Cleveland Indians. That'll be made up on Monday, August 14th. Um, I'll I'll be on my way home from Lake Tahoe that day. That'll be a long flight home. We got a little bachelor party that weekend uh, in Lake Tahoe. I've never been to Lake Tahoe. So if anybody has some advice for me, for us, for the boys, we're going to Lake Tahoe. You got advice for some things to do? Um, a specific spot, you know, a, a specific establishment or a place that we should go, should should hit up, should attend, let me know. <laughs> tell me on Twitter. Tell me somehow. Uh, but I'll be coming back from Lake Tahoe during that day in which the Red Sox and Indians will be making up their game that was rained out last night. Um, I'm forced to look at the schedule because this two-month stretch, you know, I think August is a lot tougher. It's going to be a lot tougher month for the Red Sox than September. 
September is not a very difficult month for the Red Sox, but August is. Get you got If you can get through August and you can still be a game ahead of the Yankees or the Rays in first place, you'll be you'll be in a nice spot. You'll be in a if you can stay just stay alive. That's my advice for the month of August for the Red Sox. Stay alive because all right, you got through this series with the Indians again. You got that makeup game on the fourteenth. Uh, you're going to be playing a couple games in Tampa Bay on August 8th and August 9th. Then you go right to the Bronx for a weekend series, the 11th to the 13th. That brings you back home for a game against the Indians. That is a tough six-game stretch. You got the St. Louis Cardinals in your own building on the 15th and the 16th. Uh, If you look at the standings right now, St. Louis... The Cardinals, they are only four and a half games out of first place. They got the Cubs and the Brewers ahead of them. Um, you know, and when I look at the, let's look at the wild card in the National League. St. Louis, well, they're seven and a half out of the wild card, but I, they're not completely out of their division. And if St. Louis ends up going on any type of run in the next week and a half, then that could also be a difficult game for the Red Sox. So that's that's a tough stretch because then you host the Yankees again. You have the Yankees back-to-back weekends, and in the middle of it, you got the Rays, who are battling in the division with you. You got the Indians in that, that game that's being made up. You got a Cardinals team for two games that they might still be in a race. Then you're going to Cleveland for four games. To Cleveland. So that stretch there from August 8th, beginning in Tampa Bay... Then you go to the Bronx, come home for a game against Cleveland, two games at home against a St. Louis team that that isn't going to be easy to beat. Then you're at home against the Yankees. Then you're going to Cleveland. That's a stretch in the middle of August that's going to be extremely tough. If you can survive that and you get into September, here's September for the Red Sox. All right. First first weekend, the first three days of September, you're in the Bronx against the Yankees. But after that, Toronto, you got Oakland. All right, you got Tampa Bay, but Cincinnati. Then you have Toronto again. They're going to be down and out. Then you finish the season, and I know this might sound crazy to you, in a four-game series at home against Houston. And you might think I'm crazy for saying that's going to be an easy series, but it is because Houston's going to be resting guys. They're going to be resting guys. Houston is going to clinch everything that they need to clinch. By that point, I think. They should. And so that series, I I think they're going to be resting some players. I I don't think there's going to be an opportunity for Houston to really gain anything at that point. Um, So I I think September is not as difficult as the month of August for the Red Sox. So survive August. I think you'll be able to, to get through September. But... When you do look at the next two months, and even if you look at the postseason and say the next three months, there's one guy, there's one guy that I am putting, that I think we should all put the focus on. Because who, look, who's the focus been on recently? The focus has been on David Price. And, and I, I don't say wrongfully so. Like, I've been tweeting out the last couple of days. At, I've been tweeting at my mentions on Twitter. A lot of people have been tweeting me, telling me to move on from David Price. They're telling me to move on. Which I think is, like, I get what you're saying. I want to move on from David Price, too. But 
the fact that David Price spoke on Saturday about the incident with Dennis Eckersley and sounded like a complete asshole. Like, I ripped David Price on Monday's podcast. I even put a little video together with a, with a clip of it on Twitter. I put it out there yesterday. Um, I have no problem putting that out there still in the middle of this week because, I mean, look, I do two shows a week. So I had a show on Monday in which I just ripped David Price. Um, and then I, yeah, I do everything myself. Like I'm my own producer. I'm editing my own video, editing my own audio. By the time I got around to finishing a video clip and putting it out there on Twitter, you know, it's Wednesday morning. So I, I'm still going to put that out there. I, I don't feel bad about doing that. People trying to tell me to move on. These are people who I'm convinced have no idea that David Price even talked to the media on Saturday, and they have no idea that David Price even addressed the Eckersley situation on Saturday. He addressed it, and he sounded like an asshole because he defended himself and patted himself on the back. You can't get in an argument with me about the David Price stuff if you have no idea that the guy talked on Saturday. And if you listen to David Price talk on Saturday, and you think that that's good leadership, what he said on Saturday... And you have no problem with that as a Red Sox fan? Then in my opinion, you're just as lost as David Price is. You're on another planet with David Price if you don't have a problem with that. So the fact that it's still being talked about, look, I want to move on too. I want to get back to baseball too. But it still is a topic. And it's still a topic to this day. You know why? Because yesterday um, we heard or saw quotes from Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts talking to Rob Bradford, WEI. Uh, he's got a podcast called The Bradford Show. Rob Bradford talked to Mookie Betts. Nice interview with Mookie. But the things that jump uh, that jump out at you from this interview is that Mookie Betts is talking about the leadership in David Ortiz's absence, and he says, quote, this year has been rough, end quote. He's talking about his own personal leadership as well. Um, but that's, I mean, he's, he goes into how they miss David Ortiz. We already heard this. Xander Bogart said it earlier this season after the, uh, around the time of the Dustin Pedroia-Manny Machado situation. We know that this team misses David Ortiz. We know they miss his production on the field. We know they miss his leadership. But to continue to hear players on the team talk about it, well, If they're talking about it, why can't I talk about the leadership? Because clearly it's an issue. It's clearly an issue. And during this time, this is basically Mookie Betts talking to Rob Bradford. Mookie Betts is basically, he's open, he's honest, he's genuine. Go listen to it. Go read the quotes. This is Mookie Betts, somebody that I think at some point the next couple years will establish himself as that everyday leader. I think Mookie Betts is the guy. He's young. He's, it's still early in his major league career. Um, I don't think that, and I told you this a couple weeks ago, I don't expect Mookie to walk into the clubhouse this year pounding his chest, you know, wearing the S on his chest and saying, this is my team now that David Ortiz is gone. No, I think he's so young and he's it's still early in his career, early enough to where when you just lose David Ortiz, I, there are going to be some growing pains with these kids and, and leadership is going to be part of that. I didn't expect Mookie Betts to to completely take that role over this season. I expect him to do that maybe next year or the year after that. But, you know, 
did this interview with Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts is essentially sitting there going, we need a leader in this clubhouse. We need someone. And we need someone to be there every day. To when things happen, you know, we need somebody that everyone's going to listen to. We need a guy. He's basically begging for it. When you have someone like Mookie Betts basically begging for somebody to step up and be the everyday team leader and to replace David Ortiz in that regard, I think you have to talk about the examples this season in which guys who are asking to be the leaders are not the leaders. David Price is one of them. Dustin Pedroia earlier in the season, and even to an extent recently, he's another. So, um... I don't think it's ridiculous to continue to bring up. And and I know people, they say, well, all right, forget about Dennis Eckersley. Well, he's linked to it, right? But this to me, David Price started this whole thing. And I think he could have, this, is, this was an easy fix. He could have fixed this. At least made us stop talking about it. By just apologizing, showing some type of remorse, he didn't do it. He, instead, he sounded and looked like an even bigger asshole. All right? He did. And he just talked about it Saturday. So, no, I, I, I wasn't going to move on. I, wa- I wasn't going to not address it on Monday. I wasn't going to not pump out some other stuff to promote the podcast in which I addressed it and do that the last couple of days. I wasn't going to not do that. You got a problem with it? I don't know. Unfollow me. Stop listening. We'll survive. We still get the downloads. We, st- we still get the, the sponsorships rolling in. Okay? Is somebody still going to sponsor Picks Picks this year? Um, there's still some moves that I'm making with this podcast that I think are going to surprise you in the next couple months that hopefully I'll have some news on soon. That's still going to happen. But to tell me that the David Price thing is a non-story especially now that you see Mookie Betts basically begging for the team to somehow acquire a leader in the clubhouse every day, if you're telling me that the Price thing is a non-story, then I think you're just as lost as David Price is. Now, that said, of course, at some point, we need to put our primary focus on the field. And the primary focus, and I wrote a column in today's Boston Metro, um... I don't, and I saw the headline on the website last night. I don't know that the headline is exactly how I would have put the headline. Like, I'm not telling you that we should ignore the David Price thing. But to this point, where he is on the DL, and I guess he's trying to get back, and the Red Sox have a two month stretch where they're in first place, it's time to get back to stuff on the field. I understand that. The primary focus. To me, from here on out, even when Price gets back, is on Chris Sale. It is. The primary focus, for me, is on Chris Sale. Because when we do get back to the on-field stuff, when we do get back to production, we do get back to the stretch run for the playoffs, and if the Red Sox get to the playoffs, Chris Sale is the guy that Dave Dombrowski went out and acquired for one reason. All right, some people say there's multiple. I think we'll call it the biggest. What was the biggest reason he went out and got Chris Sale? What's the biggest reason the Red Sox traded for Chris Sale? What's the reason they felt the need to make that move this past winter? What's What's the reason? It's because they didn't have a guy in this in this rotation on this pitching staff that was 
We'll call him the big game pitcher. They didn't have that guy. All right, Rick Porcello on the Cy Young. David Price's season last year wasn't as bad as people make it out to be, but he still has that cloud hanging over his head that is postseason failure. The guy has not had success as a postseason starting pitcher, okay? He hasn't. The numbers are there. It's bad. Those two things, that, that's the reason why Dave Dombrowski made this move. He didn't have the elite showstopper, big game pitcher. He believes Chris Sale can be that guy. To this point, he's been that guy. But when we do knock David Price, and we knock his postseason numbers, and we look at Rick Porcello's start last year, and we say, eh, we don't know if we buy into him in the postseason. When we knock those guys for postseason stats and, and, and the fact that we believe they, they maybe can't come through in the big moments, let's not ignore the fact that Chris Sale also has zero postseason success. Now, the reason for that is a little bit different. The reason for that is that Chris Sale has never been to the postseason. Never. When he started his career, 2010, um, what are we looking at here? 7, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. This is his eighth major league season. When was the last time the White Sox made the playoffs? 2008? 2008? If I'm correct, Chris Sale has never been to the postseason. So, He has zero success in the playoffs. Chris Sale. Zero. Now, I wouldn't trade Chris Sale for the world right now. Chris Sale is the guy that I would want starting my game one of the ALDS right now. If the playoffs begin today, Chris Sale is my guy starting in game one. I don't feel bad about that, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I wouldn't. Chris Sale is the guy I want. But... We still need to know if this guy is going to have it and bring it in the postseason. Because, you know, look, David Price has the stuff of an ace. Still, he does. He has it. But when he gets to the postseason, there's something different. There's a different feel. It's a different game. It's a different kind of pressure, especially in this town. And some guys can't take it. Some guys can't take the pressure of pitching in the postseason. They can do it in the regular season where there's not as much pressure. But when you get to the playoffs... It's a different beast. Every pitch is so brutally important that sometimes guys can press and they press a little bit more than they do in the regular season and that might affect their location. That might affect their velocity. That might affect their mentality, their mindset to the point where you walk a couple guys, you let a couple blue pits, you get rattled. Next thing you know, meatball, three-run home run, you lose a 3-1 playoff game and if y'all losing game one of the playoffs... Even if it's just by a score of 3-1, to one, well, we know how quickly that can go bad in a best-of-five series. So, it's just the postseason is a different beast, and as much as I love Chris Sale, and as much as I wouldn't trade him for the world, when we talk about the on-field stuff, the, the stretch run, the next two months, and change, you know, the next two and a half months, possibly the next three, depending on how deep they'd go in the postseason, in my opinion... The primary focus needs to now be on Chris Sale. It does. The primary on-field focus, we need to turn that. For David Price, there's no ignoring. You shouldn't ignore the fact that he's a, he's a brutal leader and the fact that he sounds like a guy who doesn't want to be here because, and he makes so much money. And I would, you know, if you could get rid of him right now, I would. But if he's going to be on the Red Sox, I'm obviously hoping that he produces on the field. But he's hurt right now, so... With that, 
you know, we have to focus on some other stuff. Chris Sale is the guy. Because I think there's one reason they acquired him. There's one reason Dave Dombrowski traded for Chris Sale. You know what that is? It's to be the big dog in the big moments in August, in September, and October. And now that we're in this two-month stretch run, we're in this race for the postseason. And if you can get there, and I think when the Red Sox get there, all eyes will be on Chris Sale because the Red Sox, these Red Sox, based on everything I know about David Price, based on everything I know about Rick Porcello this season, based on some things that I don't know about Drew Pomeranz. I mean, Pomeranz was the guy who came out of the pen last year and threw an absolute meatball to Coco Crisp. And that ended their postseason in Game 3 at Fenway of the ALDS. They got swept by the Indians, right? So I know things about those guys. That leads me to believe also what I know about Chris Sale is that the Red Sox are only going to go as far as Chris Sale takes them. That's it. He's only going to go as far. The the Red Sox are only going to go as far as Sale takes them. Now, if the playoffs began today, they began right now, the Red Sox would play the Cleveland Indians in the ALDS again, again, for the second straight year. And don't look now, but the Indians rotation is something that that would not be a good matchup for, for this Red Sox offense. It wouldn't. It would not be a good matchup. However, if you get Chris Sale to go on that mound in game one and you were to get him to be, you know, to battle with Corey Kluber and, you know, be lights out, right? Lights out. And maybe if maybe somebody gets one, maybe somebody catches one from Kluber and puts one in the seats, you can get a one nothing win. You can win 2-1 in the postseason. Chris Sale is going to give them that best opportunity. He is. So this Red Sox team is only going to go as far, in my opinion, as Chris Sale takes them. And that's why, but that's why they got him. That's the position they want him to be in. That's the position it seems like he wants to be in, or at least he should want to be in. I wouldn't trade Chris Sale for anything in the world. He did just get lit up by the Cleveland Indians the other day, though. He did the other night. Two home runs he let up, seven runs, and what, five innings? That was not a good night for Chris Sale. He's going to have to be much better than that if they do play Cleveland in the postseason. He's going to have to be much better than that the next two months of the season if the Red Sox want to even have a shot to get to the postseason. They're only in first place right now because Chris Sale has been so dominant. They need Chris Sale to continue to be dominant, not just the next two months of the regular season, but also in the postseason. And that's why I think, all right, we did the price thing. We knocked price. He deserves to get crushed. He looked like a coward. He looks lost as a leader. He looks like someone that doesn't want to be here. And he sounds like an asshole more than he does a good leader. But we let him have it. When you get back to the on-field stuff, and if price is going to remain in this organization, We'll wait until he gets healthy, wait until he gets back, but even when he does, this thing is going to be all about what Chris Sale can do for you because that's why the Red Sox went out and got him. They knew what they had in Price. They knew what they had in the rest of this pitching staff, but they knew they needed somebody else. Think about it. When you have a guy who wins the Cy Young and you also have a guy that you just gave a seven-year deal for $217 million, paying him $31 million a season, who is, you know, basically an ace in this league, 
or is being paid to be one, you have those two things. What other teams would ever look at those two things and sit back and feel the need to then give up top prospects to bring in an even better guy in the rotation? And even a more stud starting pitcher. More of a stud. How many teams would feel the need to do that? The Red Sox felt the need to do that, and I think that tells you a lot about how they feel about Price in the postseason and even to an extent Rick Porcello coming off a, a, a Cy Young season, right? And I think they got it right. Porcello back down to earth. David Price, eh, what are you going to have with him? There's still questions there. So the fact that they got Chris Sale tells me that they got Chris Sale for this time of year more than anything else. August, September playoff race, be that difference maker, and then when you get there, get to the postseason, Chris Sale is your guy. The Red Sox are only going to go as far as Chris Sale takes them. And so that's why the primary focus moving forward needs to be on him. You know, that was my column in the Metro today. We did the price thing. We let him have it. He deserved it. But... Yeah, the people that, that think we should move on, we, we do need to get to baseball. You know, we do. If somebody has an opinion, if something happens and they want to say, hey, the Red Sox, you know, they could use a, a, some type of leader in this spot in that clubhouse, I'm not going to call you a fool. I, I think that's a real thing. I think that's a real storyline. I think that's something that we should focus on. It's something that I would like the front office to look at and care about, right? Because that also comes back to the manager. These are all things that you need to care about. But, um, you know, every night at 7-10, you got to throw a pitch. And every fifth night, a guy that's throwing that pitch is Chris Sale. And they acquired him to not just throw the pitch, but to go out and dominate. And not just dominate the rest of the regular season, but also the postseason. And so, moving forward, the focus is on Sale. Let's face it, it's on Sale. It is. There's a reason why you brought this guy in. And it's time for Chris Sale to now finish the job. So, that's where my focus will be. I think that's where your focus should be as well. Um, But I will react to the regular season and the postseason race as it plays out. And I will also keep my eye on some of the top training camp storylines. I mean, before you know, we're also going to be getting into some NHL. Um... You know, we'll be getting into even some NBA preseason stuff. So there's a lot of stuff right around the corner. I'm excited for it. And one week from today, the Patriots play their first preseason game next Thursday night. Have a great weekend, everybody. You can get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are available. Also part of the Podcast One Network. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. And oh yeah, one more thing. We got some new merchandise on the show. I do think that only my wrestling fans are going to understand what this logo is. We'll call it Inspired by the Bullet Club. Bullet Club is a wrestling group, a wrestling faction um, in the New Japan Pro and Ring of Honor. And um, it's led by what? Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, you got a couple other guys in there. But the Bullet Club, they basically, people say, oh, you stole the Bullet Club's logo. Well, I say inspired by, because if you do want to look at Bullet Club, 
and talk about stealing things, they essentially have stolen everything from the NWO, which is from the Too Sweet, the Four Life, and even a little, you know, finger handshake that they do. So how can they, how could anybody be worked up about stealing stuff when Bullet Club essentially stole everything they have from NWO? So we took the logo, we put, instead of Bullet Club, we put Picard Club, and instead of guns and bullets, obviously, uh, I'm not going to put my name to that, but instead, because not everybody knows that it's a wrestling group, instead of guns and bullets, we put a couple microphones, also got a couple ones with hockey sticks and pucks, and wiffle balls, and wiffle ball bats. I put the link on my Twitter account, Uh, you can buy them at tpublic.com, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C, tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. Go buy a t-shirt or even, what else do we got? Coffee mugs, notebooks, um, posters, phone cases, iPad covers, you name it, they have it. And it's got the logo that we put together. Again, inspired by Bullet Club, it's Picard Club. Go buy some merchandise right now. Again, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>